Hey, this is Brenna Blaine, and you're listening to Can I Say That? Hey everybody, this week on the show we have Annalise Southwood talking about the Charismatic Church. I think the Charismatic Church has always, to me, seemed to be a polarizing topic within the church, the global church that is. I mean, it's almost like the Charismatic Church is seen as like the weird brother or like- The middle child. Yeah. I always think of the joke about the Baptist Church, that they believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Bible, which is really just to get at, I think, in the Baptist Church and also the non-denominant that I've been a part of that it's like, it's like you don't really know what to do with the Holy Spirit. It's like, if it's taught, it's maybe one sermon a year. Mm -hmm. And it's just sort of like, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit will help you and will guide you. And it's like, that's it. And so I think we'll just talk about the non-denominational church. When you see someone actively engaging with the Holy Spirit, it's like, because it's not a normal part of your life or really taught to be a daily hourly part of your life it's you don't know what to do with it and it seems weird it seems in some cases i think people think it's wrong and it's like they might as well this other person actively engaging in the holy spirit might as well be a scientologist the non-denom person walks into a charismatic church and gets like tunnel vision and everyone turns into tom cruise and they're like <laughs> <laughs> yes uh and so I, I will say i don't think it's it's wrong to push back. I will always think of Paul in First Thessalonians chapter 5, and he's telling the church in Thessalonica to test everything. I do think that's something that we need to do as a church. We should never just blindly take something someone says and keep it as correct 100% theology. Right, from any, any denomination. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we are called as Christians to really anything and everything that we hear to go back to scripture and say, mm. okay, do I actually see this? in God's word. Yet, I also always think of Jesus in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, where he says, greater things than these you will do. He actually says, greater works. Mm. I will forever remember a conversation um, at one point with an individual. We're talking about Holy Spirit and specifically that verse, and their response was that they saw when Jesus says, the works that I have done as coming to remove spiritual blindness and that people get to be in right relationship with God and receive salvation. That's a really good Calvinist Uh, argument. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Don't want to downplay that salvation is really is like a miracle that Mm. God would make a way for us to be with him and receive 100% grace. Mm. But I don't think that's what Jesus means there. He says the works that he's done and the works that he has done is like remove physical blindness, make people able to walk again. You Mm. couldn't walk or never could walk. Bring people back to life who Mm. died. Oh, that's that's sketchy territory. Well, it's it's Jesus. It's (laughs) what he did. And he says, greater things than I have done, you will do. Mm. And so I think when you, like people in the non-denominational church, including Mm. myself, we don't engage in that type of reality. I think because it's difficult and it's kind of... Scary. It's scary. Yeah. It's it's vulnerable. So all all to say, I think that every sect of Christianity has something that the other sects of Christianity can learn from Mm. and grow Mm. in. And that I don't think any particular sect of Christianity is 100% right. I I think there's a beauty in that, that we all as brothers and sisters have stuff to learn from each other. Mm. But I do think that in the charismatic church, what they have to offer that I think really the rest of us really need to learn from is how to engage with God in the Holy Spirit and step out in trust and faith to do the things that Jesus did and says we're to do and his disciples did and said that we're to do. A popular Instagram right now is the preachers and sneakers. Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit about this before. Yeah, I called you out on Instagram. I was very upset. And I loved your opinion. So what are your thoughts on preachers and sneakers and why? Well, okay. There's multiple things. I know several of those pastors that, Mm -hmm. like, personally grew up with, like, Judah Smith. And because he and his his dad and uh, my dad were on the same staff Mm -hmm. for a long time and very, very close friends up until Wendell um, passed away. Mm. So I grew up around Judah and um, Nathan Finocchio is like a long lost brother Mm. type friend of ours, was really close with us through uh, my whole high school. And then also like my brother-in-law is Chad Veach and he's on there. Mm -hmm. And um, they've also talked about my sister, Julia. Mm. They've posted about her before. And so it's like that... It's weird in one sense because mm-hmm. they're posting on people I know. The other thing is 
I just don't get what the heart of it was, like why it was started. It just seemed like it started from a really bitter place. And Mm. I was surprised to see how many people who I respect and love, like followed it and were like, LOL, this is so funny. (laughs) And I'm like, gosh, like why follow something that felt like from what I was seeing, the whole point of it was to be like, yeah, look at those people Mm. who are doing awful stuff, aren't pastors who are famous not by any effort of themselves, just by preaching (laughs) Mm -hmm. well or charmingly enough, Mm -hmm. aren't they just terrible people that Mm -hmm. they're wearing nice clothes? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I also don't like mob mentality and Mm -hmm. like feeding that. And I just feel like if you scrolled through the comments of those posts, it's not just like, ah, ha, 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 like the Lord works in mysterious color ways, like funny. That is a funny line. And his captions are clever. Mm -hmm. But what ends up happening is like you have other celebrities posting and you have these people saying like, these people are vile for wearing these shoes. I can't believe you're taking this, the tithe money and spending it on this. On Jordans. Like this is a perfect example of what's wrong with the big C church, Mm. you know, like the broader church and all these things. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you and just creating this mob mentality to that just feeds bitterness and it doesn't put anything positive out in the world now the guy that started it who's who remains anonymous he sells product and takes that money and puts it towards really great foundations mm. so i'm like i get that mm-hmm. great you're using your celebrity i guess for good but you're also letting bitterness and resentment snowball and mm. not really creating a space to have more fleshed out conversations about like why is that bothersome to you Mm. like you're really have a big reaction to this when I first well okay so I've known Chad my brother-in-law my my whole life he's always been how he is people Mm. think that it's like this persona Mm. he's always just that's just who Chad is he did ministry work I think as a youth pastor in LA in like the really early aughts maybe the late 90s Mm. He lived there for like five years and he left. And I remember he came back because we always used to spend Thanksgiving together. He came back and just constantly talked about his heart for L.A. Mm. And he was like, I just want to move. This is before him and my sister started uh, even thinking about dating Mm. or even seeing that in each other. And he just the one thing I always remember about him is talking about how he just had this huge heart for L.A. When it comes into question that like his heart behind going to L.A. is being around celebrities Mm. because he happens to have had a lot of doors open up for him where he now is friends with all these people. It's frustrating because I don't. I don't think it's anyone's place to assume something about somebody mm. else. Sure, okay, if somebody's doing some behavior that is, like, not biblical or that they're doing something wrong, sure, there are there's a time and place, I think, to call them mm. out. But that's not really what this is doing. It's just, like... Making a joke and then it's unstructured uh, bashing mm-hmm. of people who have real pain, have real struggles, have a real genuine heart for the Lord and for serving people. Because I don't know anyone that's as generous as my brother-in-law and my mm. sister. That being said, this morning I was like, let me revisit this and see if they posted about Chad recently or anything like that. And I went on and there was like this whole talk that somebody did at Liberty University or I know. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Republicans. (laughs) Anyways, this guy like spoke on behalf of the guy that ran the account, but he like did an interview and the guy like censored his face out. I was like, oh, my gosh. If that's (laughs) like what kind of content? Yeah. Like if you have to hide your face, like you're not Bansky or whatever that guy's name is. Why why do you have to hide your face? What Mm. are you afraid of? Mm. So why is... You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyways. As they say in the charismatic church, come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. Come on. So we're here today to actually talk about that. <laughs> that was such a long intro. I'm sorry. We're here today to talk about the charismatic church. I don't believe a ton of our listeners would consider themselves to be charismatic. And then there, are, there's a good amount that are maybe kind of like in the middle. Mm-hmm. But... What has your background been with the Charismatic Church? Like, why are you here? Why am I here? I, well, I, I was 
born into my parents already being youth pastors. When I was born, my parents were youth pastors at a church in Portland, now called Manor House, was called City Bible. Mm. And before that, when I was born, it was called Bible Temple, which was a charismatic church. I actually didn't really know that I was charismatic until I joined CYT. <laughs> oh, really? Genuinely. Tell me about that. Well, I, so I went to public school uh, starting in third grade. Mm-hmm. And all of my Christian friends were, like, Lutheran. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was, like, so far. I just thought I was non-denominational growing up. Yeah. That's what I thought. And you're like, I'll pray for you right now. And they're like, I'll pray for you in my head later by myself. Yeah. yeah. With my arms. Yeah. I, but that's a genuine, like, real thing. Mm-hmm. I just thought non-denominationals all did this. Some mm-hmm. were just more outgoing than others. Mm-hmm. That's literally what I thought. And because I just didn't have a lot of friends who were, like, just standard non-denominational. <laughs> so, yeah, I just grew up in it. And I didn't really know any different until about high school, until I joined Christian Youth Theater. And I was around a lot of other Christians who didn't go to my church. Because up until that point, it was, like, most of my friends were Christians from my church. Mm-hmm. And then any friends from school were kind of a mixed bag of Catholic, Lutheran, and then, like, from atheist families. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a mixed bag, but it was, like, pretty evenly divided. And mm-hmm. then when I joined uh, CYT, it was, like, that's when I was, like, oh, what I'm saying is radical. Mm-hmm. So my experience is, like, it just is what it is. I just grew up in a church, and it's it's weird to me to think about. Um, I actually just I don't know why this is controversial. Like, <laughs> and, that's, and that's not me being, yeah. like, arrogant. I genuinely am, like, wow, this is... This is controversial enough that this is an episode on the mm. on this podcast. But I, I also I do believe it too because over the years since I joined CYT and people found out about me <laughs> speaking in tongues, we had like prophetic things happening in our church. I've had a lot of judgment towards me and a lot of really intense expressions of mm. like, oh, whoa, okay. And like, you know, and it, and that that hurts because I'm like, oh, I don't know any better. Mm-hmm. And I'm just doing all of this in earnest because I just love the Lord. Yeah. But that's the that's what I've been given. These are the tools I've been given just because of where I was born, mm-hmm. and like where I was born into. And I, I feel like why I am kind of excited to talk about it today is because I feel like those of you that don't, that are listening, that don't know anything about being charismatic or have assumptions mm-hmm. about it. I think you'd be surprised about how much pain you've actually caused Mm. charismatic people from your comments about how, like, crazy we are and your eye rolls and Mm. you're like, oh, I've been to City Harvest Church before and I could only handle one service. (laughs) And I'm like, all right. Okay, well, that's, like, my belief system, yeah. and I'm so, I'm like, do you want me to judge you for yeah. having really boring worship? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, yes. we can both play yeah. this game. What's the point of it? And mm-hmm. so, it's like, so, yeah, I, I I am surprised, and I guess I'm not, like, I'm surprised in general, like, why is this still a topic that people mm-hmm. are, like, afraid of? But also, I've had a lot of people make comments to me over the years that I'm like, well, yeah. I've been to a few charismatic like gatherings when I was younger like some conferences Mm -hmm. and did YWAM and that's kind of where it became charismatic yeah but why is YWAM like does it promote itself as charismatic well they came out of assemblies of god church yeah so most of them operate in a charismatic belief system one thing I noticed a lot when I was younger and then also at YWAM is there's always been this emphasis on speaking in tongues like even at Bethel Conference uh, oh, this last year, yeah. they're like, and we're going to pray that everyone would speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. And, like, to me, I hear that and I go, okay, I reference Paul. He says that. That's great. Mm-hmm. But then I think before I knew that as a kid, I'm like, why do I need to speak in tongues? So do you believe that speaking in tongues is, like, the sign of someone having the Holy Spirit and why or why not? No, I don't believe it's the exclusive sign. I think it's a sign, mm. um, but I don't think that it's manda- that you mm-hmm. have to speak in tongues to prove something. Mm. I believe the Holy Spirit can work in you in different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all have different bents. We all have, you know, different things. I certainly love that gifting and wish it for everyone else. And I think it's it's a gifting that I think is offered 
by God with an open hand. Like, this is something that you can have. Mm. But I don't think it's like, you have to take this. And, and like, I just think it's like a really profound thing. And it's special for me and my relationship mm-hmm. with God. I get people that don't understand it um, and become afraid of it. But I think that, because I think a lot of people are really freaked out oh, about yeah. speaking in tongues. It freaks people out. And I think nothing, your decision should not be made out of fear, whether to do it or not to do it. So it's like when people are like, no way, I'm not going to ever speak in tongues. That is crazy. I'm like, why are you afraid of it? Also, I don't think people should be like, everyone in this room's going to, we're going to lock the door. You're not leaving until you're, you're slain in the spirit and you're speaking in tongues. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't think, uh, I think either one of those is not okay. I think God offers it. It's a gifting that we can ask for mm-hmm. if we want to. And I feel like God can God is can make it available to everybody. But I don't think that it's mandatory. I don't think that it's evidence that, oh, this person is spirit-filled and this person is mm. not. What about baptism of the Holy Spirit? I always uh, feel like... That's the, it's like, we're going to baptize you and you're going to start speaking in tongues is like the common narrative that I hear when I go to these camps and conferences. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait, I think I'm, to say to a group of youth and you're going to speak in tongues is so sketchy to me. Because I'm like, I think most of them are going to fake it because they're scared. Yeah, maybe. I mean, okay, so I, yeah, no, it's tough. It's, it's, a, it's a tricky conversation. And I am in no way an expert, just FYI. I'm not an expert on this topic. I don't, I can't list off biblical references. Mm-hmm. And maybe some people will be like, well, I'm not going to listen to this if she's not going to back up anything mm-hmm. she has to say. I'm solely speaking from my own experience. Baptize, baptism in the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's hard. It's so Christianese. Yeah. That it's like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. now that I'm thinking about it. But I grew up every camp, every meeting. Yeah. Okay, we're going to baptize people in the Holy Spirit. And you're like, okay, like, am I getting in a tub of nothing? Like, am I getting in an <laughs> air tub and somebody's just dunking me in more air? Like, what is that? What does it mean to be baptized in that? So, yeah, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, any evidence or whatever, I think the Holy Spirit is something that, is there, I think it is important to ask God to move, to have it in you, mm. to make it present, to draw it out of you maybe, because maybe it is already in, in you in some way, just because we're all made in God's image. Like we have the element of the Holy Spirit in us, but maybe when we, when we get baptized, quote unquote, or when mm. we, you know, show evidence of speaking in tongues and all these different things, um, that's just it coming more to fruition. But I think, I think there is something valuable in ha- taking a moment with God and saying, Lord, like, let your Holy Spirit move through me. It's the same thing. I don't think it's, like, mandatory to be baptized mm-hmm. in the Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit can move through us in all different ways. But I think it's certainly, if you feel like, I don't know if I've ever experienced the Holy Spirit before, I think, and you're a Christian, I think that's something that you should take to God and ask God about and ask him to show you. And if he doesn't, then he doesn't. And if he does, then... Then you're charismatic. I just, I think our language needs to shift around it. It's just about pursuing God's spirit. And really, I know some people can get really kooky with it. And I know this is like a another question that you had about like, you know, how can you tell if it's real or not? And that's mm-hmm. more about prophecy, which I'm sure we'll get into. But... How can you tell if it's real or not? And I'm like, you just, you can't. You're going to have to just trust what your experience is. Mm. The first time I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I was eight years old, and it happened at a wedding rehearsal. So it literally was not a pressure moment in Mm -hmm. a church. God just visited me, and I, I know this is going to sound like a crazy story, but I was laid out on the floor in this little, like, chapel room on the side of the sanctuary where the rehearsal was going on, and I wasn't being used, so they let me just kind of play around. My parents came and found me, and I was just speaking in tongues as an eight-year-old, just laying down, and I was just, like, weeping. My memory of that, I might have been seven. I My memory of that, because it was that age, it's not, like, this really clear, profound, I mean, it is a profound moment. What I remember feeling is, like, just the most warm, mm. comforting, 
you know, I wasn't hearing the audible voice of God. I wasn't feeling all these crazy. I just felt really warm and comforted. But I remember the moment leading up to it. And I remember I was standing in this little chapel room and there was this big cross. It was, I mean, big to me as an eight-year-old. But there was this cross that was like on this little podium. Mm. And I just remember staring at it for so long that I, I just like transfixed me for some reason. But mm. I remember just staring at it for a real long time. And then I just remember my eyes were closed and I was just felt really, really warm. Um, I didn't even know I was speaking in tongues until my parents were like, Annalise. And I was like, oh. And they were like, whoa, what happened? I was like, I don't know. And I was just like kind of talking about it. And yeah. they're like, okay. But the same story, My all my sisters have similar stories. And some of them were like four years old. Some of them mm. were like six. And it's like we all have like these stories that none of them really happened in church mm. per se, like in yeah. a church service. Yeah. No one was pr- laying hands on me and trying to push me onto yeah. the ground or being like, you have to just open your mouth and start saying something. You know, God has different plans for all of us. He has different stories for all of us. He has certain people that only we are going to touch. And I think I think the Holy Spirit will move in each of us in our own way. I don't like the pressure that it has to all look identical, mm. that we as a collective room of 300 yeah. all have to be speaking in tongues. Mm. We all have to have this moment right now at the same time to prove something mm-hmm. about our faith. I don't like that. But I think some people will maybe never speak in tongues. Mm. Does that, like, take anything away from their salvation? No. Mm. However, here's the weird thing about, this is kind of a tangent, but here's the weird thing about growing up in a charismatic church. I Well, maybe just for any denomination, but something about my experience and a lot of experience of people that I knew growing up, at, growing up in a charismatic church, there is a bit of... This is the best, Mm. but it comes across to children as this is the only way that you can do this type of thing. Mm. So when I was a kid, I had not prejudiceness, but I had judgments uh, against and towards other denominations. Mm. When I was a kid, I was like, we really need to be spirit-filled. Otherwise, you're not going to get into heaven. Mm -hmm. Like, I literally thought it meant their salvation. And I was talking to my dad about this semi-recently, and he was like, oh, man, we really (laughs) failed you then. And I was like, no, it's just one of those things, like, in charismatic churches, and maybe somebody will be like, that's the flaw. And maybe it is a flaw. In charismatic churches, when we teach kids a lot about, like, yes, you can speak to God, Mm -hmm. you can hear God, God can move through you through prophecy, we get kids excited about it because it's really exciting to us. It's not this weird thing. We're not trying to do, we're not pressuring kids. We just talk about it in an excited way and things happen. And But we don't ever really loop back all that often mm-hmm. and clarify things because with young kids, you have to do things on such a broad spectrum. Yeah. So it's like right now, for example, like with um, my oldest daughter, Meriwether, she's five. We teach her that she can talk to God about anything and she can come to Jesus and ask for things. And that prayer is used to um, communicate and get to know God mm-hmm. better and, and feel his love and be able to tell him that we love him and all these different things. She thinks, because I think one time when we said, you know, you can ask him for help, she literally thinks like she gets really frustrated with God, you know, maybe Mm. not with God, but she gets frustrated and she's like, God didn't give me the dream that I wanted to have last Mm. night. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's not really what God's there for. And it's like, you know, but even that on a small scale, and I'm like, I just remember learning about all these mm-hmm. really big topics when I was five. We were in services where people were talking about seeing angels yeah. and all these different things. And I'm like, it was just so part of the culture that I grew up in that no one looped back for a really mm-hmm. long time to correct things. So I filled in blanks in my head mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. And maybe our church, like, we've done better mm-hmm. since then because I'm not a part of children's ministry. So I don't know exactly what, <laughs> what is being saying. looped back. But I think I definitely had the uh, uh, fear that my friends who I would be like, you got to come to my church. Mm-hmm. I was so terrified that my friends who, like, were great Christians, they just didn't, they weren't charismatic. Mm-hmm. I thought, like, because you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit you're not saved. Like, mm-hmm. I used to think it was part of the salvation. Like, you had to do all these things, that our way was the only way. Mm-hmm. And that was like, and no one taught me that. I don't remember any moment of anybody teaching me that, but it's like when you let kids fill in the blanks, and I guess that's for, like, any religion, 
you know, they're going to really fill in those blanks yeah. with weird assumptions. And But I think on the other end of that, there's probably people that have weird assumptions about charismatic church because they've filled in the mm. blanks and they didn't actually study and look at what, you know, mm-hmm. what it actually means. I think so. Austin and I both hold the opinion that there's like two types of speaking in tongues. There's praying mm-hmm. in tongues and then there's like speaking in tongues. And then in that, some people speak actual languages, yeah, like they get the gift. That, yeah. And then there's some people who speak something that. Like, yeah. we've never, ever heard. Mm-hmm. So there's always this argument, and I think this is where, um, let's say, non-charismatic people mm-hmm. get really hyped up about this, where mm-hmm. they're like, you cannot speak in tongues out loud without an interpreter. But to me, I when I was in YWAM, I started praying in tongues. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is so weird that why can people pray out loud mm-hmm. in church? But, like it would be sketchy for me to pray in tongues mm-hmm. out loud. So do you think it's okay for people to pray out loud in tongues? And do you think it's okay for people to speak in tongues? So that's interesting because I think they're one and the same. You're using like two different words for mm-hmm. that. But I, because you said speaking and then you said praying. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I only pray in tongues. We don't walk around at our church being like speaking in tongues to each other mm-hmm. and call and response. Mm-hmm. I don't know a single person. I've never heard a single person have that experience except for really weird instances where people were like, I need to pray for this person. Mm-hmm. And so they think that they're praying in tongues, but they're actually speaking Mandarin. And that person is like, whoa, yeah. how did you know that? And that ministers to that person because they're, you know, saying things. But the person is like, I never knew what I actually said. Mm. But they understood every single yeah. word. So I guess there is some element of speaking it. And I mean, we're always speaking it. But I don't, our church and my experience is it's always been a prayerful thing. And because we're, it's audible, mm-hmm. it's speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. But it really is praying in the language of tongue. Um, as far as an interpreter goes, yeah, I think our church has always kind of held the belief of no one is really ever without an interpreter supposed to stand up at the mic and speak in tongues. My church believes, you know, you really don't, you don't speak that way. Okay. Where it's uh, you, without an interpreter. Mm-hmm. However, most of the time it's praying in tongues and everyone's just praying out loud, yeah. you know, and it's just in their little bubble. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know. But we lay hands on each other at church and pray for things for people, and people speak in tongues in that regard. Mm. Again, I think it's just kind of a unspoken understanding that we're not like, hey, you got, you hear what I'm saying to you? <laughs> like, I'm speaking all these different things. And, yeah, I don't think anybody is assuming that. I, I don't think it's bad to be audible when you are praying or speaking in tongues until you are trying to actually speak at somebody Mm. and convey something to them. I think where there's intention of you need to understand what I'm saying, Mm. I think that is where you can't just do that. I also think it's a it's a sacred language. If you look, if you break down what it is, I think it's a language that's meant for God. It's a way that I can communicate when I'm too exhausted or too angry or too wrapped up in my own head that I'm like, I can't, I cannot get the words out of what my spirit is feeling. And therefore the Holy Spirit helps me. groaning through you. And yeah, it just comes forth in that regard. But I mean, like last night, uh, my youngest is sick. And so she was up a lot and I was in her bed for like five hours last night through the night. Mm. And just sleeping with her, and she was really miserable and, like, moaning and just writhing in pain. And I was just laying with her, and I was so tired, but I was like, I just really need to pray for her. So I just was, like, speak, like very mildly speaking mm-hmm. in tongues and just, like, holding her close to me because I was like, I just can't even mm-hmm. think of a sin. But, like, the Holy Spirit just—but I could just freely speak mm-hmm. in tongues. I could not form a sentence because it was, like, 3 in the morning. I was just praying for her for so long. Mm. Um, in that. And so it's like, that's like a very mild example and certainly more of a private one. But um, I think if you look at what the heart is behind it and you look at what the purpose of it is for, I think it helps people kind of stay in line Mm -hmm. more of like, 
if we're teaching people what speaking tongues is actually meant for, we don't have a lot of issue trying to pull people away from the mic to speak in tongues in mm-hmm. front of the congregation. Yeah. So I didn't really know about speaking in tongues. I did. I did. I knew nothing about prophecy, mm-hmm. and I just remember being floored the first time I received prophecy from someone, mm-hmm. and I was like, "How do you know this?" And I know you have had incredible prophecy spoken into your life. How has it affected you? Well, let's look at what prophecy is for. It's for inspiring people, you know, creating revelation for people, empowering somebody and giving, you know, I think that is the, that's my mentality of what Mm. prophecy is made for. It's to give you hope, Mm. to let you know that God is still with you, that God has a plan for you, um, and for God to reveal himself to you supernaturally Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that uh, you wouldn't be able to have just by somebody being like, I'm believing great things for you. But it's like if somebody's like, you know, started really like saying, hey, I, God told me that, you know, you have been in your darkest of days Mm. and you have been crying out to God in the night and he hears you. That's a lot different and it lands a lot more significantly and can change somebody's life really quickly. So I've gotten a lot. Yeah, I have. I've had a lot of prophecy. Our church. Uh, well, my dad is very prophetic. He travels around for something called presbytery. Let's get into <laughs> it. Um, and presbytery is it's a gathering where, or some people call it prophetic assembly. It's a gathering where a church brings in prophets that have moved in prophecy or in the prophetic and have kind of proven that it's not like a showmanship thing, that God is really moving through them. And so they bring in one or five or however many you want to bring in. It's a it's it's less of a corporate meeting. So it's less of a Sunday morning Mm -hmm. meeting where we have new people more. It's sharing the gospel. It's further down the line of people's faith where yeah. it's more of a, what we call a family service. So weirder things go on, I guess, yeah. for those that are not charismatic. These are the fun services for mm-hmm. us. You know, and, and we have the, the eldership praise. People, like, put themselves at submission for the eldership to pray about if they mm-hmm. are going to be um, prophesied over or whatever. And then so they become candidates or whatever. And then they they basically sit in front of the church and the prophet and everyone, you know, we've all the church has been praying and fasting together and all these different things for like the days ahead of this. Yeah. And then they just move in the prophetic and they uh, speak over people. And it's one to it's to bolster up the faith of the church mm-hmm. because these are their friends and their their church family that they're seeing getting words. Um, and it's also meant to um, catapult, like, their, the people that are getting prayed over, like, their faith mm. to, to stir them up even more. So that being said, I've grown up in those meetings my whole life. And so inevitably I've, had, I've been prayed over because at some point sometimes prophets go like, hey, I have a word for somebody out here, you in the yellow jacket, you know. And then they, they draw people out of the audience mm-hmm. and they give words. And sometimes it's crazy how accurate it is. And there's some prophets that can just, they get names in their head. And yeah. they're like, where's Jessica? Where's Jessica Smith? Like, you know, they'll uh-huh. say something like that. And then Jessica Smith will be like, oh, yes. <laughs> so, I, so that being said, I've had a lot of those. I've been a part of a lot of those. And I've had, you know, things here and there. Some stuff has been like, what does that even mean? Some stuff has been, I needed that specific thing right then Mm -hmm. and some stuff has been like oh I don't know if that was actually meant for me and what do you do with that when it's like you know in your spirit Mm. you know you got to trust your relationship with God at that point and and a lot of people would be like do you receive that and you should always say I don't think that was meant for me (laughs) being prophetic Mm -hmm. is a huge leap of faith and what they're doing is they're showing their faithfulness mm-hmm. to the Lord mm-hmm. and they're stepping out. And it's okay if they're wrong because yeah, they were stepping and out. they're practicing, right? You should never just be like, yeah, 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 that was good. Mm. Um, I gave, a pro- I don't remember doing this, but I gave a prophetic word to our friend Kiana. Mm. 
Uh, it was her first time ever coming to my church. I felt so bad because I was like, this is crazy. And she was very overwhelmed. But I was like, hey, I really feel like yeah. I have a word for you. And I said, where well, our church used to have all the flags of the world around, you know, like a lot of yeah. big churches used to do. And I said, I just feel like God is telling me that you're going to go to all of these countries. And she was like, dang. Okay. Like she didn't even. And then I think it was like two months later, some some short amount later that she joined she did. the world race or whatever yeah. that thing is called. And But that was never really kind of in her or it was and she just was like, I don't know. Yeah. So I think sometimes God can bring to light some dreams that he has for mm. you that maybe you're like, what does that mean? But I think and, – and so you're like, is that really for me? I don't know. Like Leslie one time got like a, one thing about how she was like really dealing with like dark times. And that's just – but this was like when she was like in high school and that was just not Leslie. And she was yeah. like – yeah, that was not, not for me. <laughs> but 80% of it was accurate. Yeah. We are humans. Mm-hmm. Like, people that give prophecies are humans. There is error. So I get where there's the defense against it, where it's like, if there's error, you should be shutting your mouth. But I'm like, if we're shutting our mouth, we're not encouraging each other. And I think prophecy is such a broad mm, thing. Yeah. It's not like standing on a stage with a mic being like, yes, uh, and I see that the Lord has for you a uh, calling that you are going to reach the nations. And by like 23, you're going to be doing all these things. You know, yeah. I don't think that is always what it looks like. I think sometimes prophecy can be, gosh, I really just want to tell that person that they look good. Hey, I really like your outfit today. Maybe that person was like super depressed today and they just like really needed someone to encourage them in a small, Mm. tiny way. We don't know what God is doing. We don't know how he's pursuing each of us. He pursues us in so many different ways. So you can break it down to like prophecy can just be like, I feel compelled to blank, mm-hmm. to say this to somebody. It's not like, oh, my goodness, my heart is pounding. Yeah. My arms are shaking. I have a vision of a river. Like, I need to go share it. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Sometimes it's not that way. Sometimes it's like, hey, are you doing okay? Yeah. Like, and just being like, you know what? I believe this for you, mm. even if it's not a spiritual moment. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe that you can be successful in this. Mm. Like, I have faith in you, and I just feel like I need to say it. Yeah. Those are prophetic words Mm -hmm. that we're using. I think people sometimes go, prophecy, this big thing. It's this big, scary thing. I think sometimes it can be these really profound, crazy moments. There's somebody named John here who has a broken knee, and God's going to heal it right now, like type of thing. And it happens. And then there's sometimes when somebody gets prophecy that's like, you're going to do these things. And the person's like, what? And then it doesn't come to fruition until 30 years. My dad got prophecies in like the 70s that didn't come to fruition until like five years ago. Mm. And so it's like we have no control over God's timing. We have no idea what he's Mm -hmm. planning to do with us. We can only hope and trust God. And as long as we're pursuing God, things are going to fall into place. So, yeah, I think people get really like, that's not for me. Maybe it's not for you right this second. Mm. But write it down, hold on to it, and maybe God's going to reveal it to you in 40 years. Yeah. Just because it happens in 40 years, does that mean that the pro- like the promise still comes true? But just because you have to wait for it mm. to come true does not mean that, that it's inaccurate. Yeah. It just means that it's maybe not right now. Mm. Uh, and that's hard for people. Because they hear something and they're like, that means this. Yeah. And so it's tough. But you just got to, I think as long as you're circling back to God mm-hmm. with it, and it's not like this arrogance thing. Oh, yeah. Like Neil got a word a long time ago. You're going to make a ton of money. <laughs> and we were like, woo, what? we were so broke. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, and I mean, it's like, we're still like, you know, four years of school and all this. It was a lot, a lot of hardships mm-hmm. where we're now feeling like, oh, we're financially stable. Yeah. Like, great. Uh-huh. Um, and we don't know what that looks like. But I I mean, I've gotten a, a, a lot. And I think there's some things that you just, 
the more you study prophecy, the more you move in prophecy, if that's what, what you feel called to do, I think it opens your eyes up more to kind of understand the ebb and flows of things, that there's different, it, prophecy is multifaceted, that, um, you know, I we have this pastor friend who comes to our church a lot and does presbytery, and mm-hmm. he knows me, he knows me really, really well, and he knows my heart for, mm-hmm. um, like, theatrics and all this stuff, and he, like, called me out on one service, and he was like, he was like, hey, I just want to let you know, like, I just see your name mm. on a marquee. Mm. I see you, like, taking on New York. I see that. But he said afterwards, he goes, this is not a huge revelation. I just want to tell you guys, I know her, mm. but I'm just speaking this life into her. Mm. And so it was like he, you know, it wasn't like this, oh, my gosh, she's really reading my mail. Yeah, he knows yeah. all this. How did he know? But I've also had moments where I'm like, how do you? How did you? How did you know that, you know? Like last year, we had our presbytery, and I remember the week leading up to it, I was like, all I want to know is do I keep going or do I change directions? Mm. And I was like, I just want to know that I'm not forgotten about. Mm. And I was like talking to my friends about it, literally decided so last minute to go to one of the presbytery meetings, Mm -hmm. was called out by somebody who doesn't really know me at all and said... God is just telling me to tell you that you got to keep going, Mm. that I see you. I mean, it was like literally verbatim of what I was like. I just want affirmation (laughs) on this one thing. And it was like really, I was like, wow, okay. Wow. So I know this isn't one of your questions. Like how how do you know if it's accurate or not? I think there are people, unfortunately, and with anything, Mm -hmm. there are people that are using it in the wrong way. And that are, you know, I've been told throughout my life, and this is kind of a a downside of being a pastor's kid, Mm. people saying, like, when I was moved, I was moved to New Zealand when I was 19, when I was telling people, yeah, I'm moving to New Zealand, I just need to kind of figure out where I'm at, and I need to figure out what God wants for me. I'm just so confused right now, I just need to find myself. And I had so many people say to me, the Lord's telling me that's not for you. And... Uh, so it's hard because you're like, what do you do with that? Well, thankfully, I have very level-headed parents who move in prophecy a lot. And so it's like, they're like, you know, okay, well, you're going to have to, but it's really up to you. What do you feel in that moment? Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like if you get hit with, oh my gosh, you're right. This is God saying, hey, something like a red flag just came up. Then yes, follow that. And if it was a mistake to follow that, if it wasn't a true prophecy, God's not going to abandon you. Right. He'll find a way. He'll get you back He's on like, track. Oh, you didn't follow oh, my will. One Dang misstep. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry that you misinterpreted something. Great. We got a, a yeah. dumb one on our hands. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like. But, yeah, I've I've experienced a lot of prophecy. My mom. I mean, there's so many. Talking about multifaceted. My mom moves in prophetic crazy mm. she sees words written on people mm. and it's like wild like <laughs> words written on people uh-huh. it's so crazy some people see like clouds over people's heads. yeah yeah i i but it's funny because i'm like i grew up with people just telling these wild stories about this stuff and i'm like cool and then i like started sharing <laughs> any of that you know my time at like christian youth mm-hmm. theater and people were like you can't talk like that here and i was like oh no <laughs> Growing up, I was so scared of the charismatic church or, like, charismatic people. Why? Because that's not what I grew up in. But also, just to blame and to put this out there, don't watch it. There's this really interesting documentary called Jesus Camp. And they take this mix of the Pentecostal church, Republicans, and homeschooling, and it's like this horrific film. No, That's I've watched r- part of it. Yeah, it's yeah. like meant to scare the bejesus out of well, you. Well, here's the thing, though. It's so tough because I'm like, I guess from an outsider's perspective, like, that is what it looks yeah. like a lot of times. But it's hard because from an insider's perspective, I'm like, that's not what it feels like. Yeah. And it feels... So I don't like that. That documentary <laughs> freaks me out, too. I was like, oh. Oh, gosh. Smash okay. these pots. <laughs> but I think people can get lost in it. But here's the thing. Being full... Like, no judgment towards mm-hmm. this institution or whatever, this church. But I get, I'm very, okay, I grew up very charismatic. Yeah. Like, you know, fire tunnels and all these oh, weird yeah. terminologies and slain in the spirit and all these different things. I went to Bethel for the first time when I was in an internship at my church mm-hmm. when I was 19, 18. 
And I was just like, wow, okay, this is really like what felt like to me, mm-hmm. really unrestrained. Mm. Not a lot of bumpers. Mm. Not a lot. Didn't feel like a lot of guidance. Mm. It felt like kind of a free for all, mm. which is fun to dip your toes in for a weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't know how people exist in that because it doesn't feel like there's a lot of structure. Mm. And it feels like it's all over the place. That's just my perspective. But I think people get so excited in sometimes there's a whole, you know, part of charismatic Christians, I think, get so excited that they just live in the spirituality Mm. part of it, which I'm not judging Bethel or saying that that's what it is. But it does look like that. They live so much in the spirit side of it that there's not a lot of reality Mm. side of it. I feel like maybe you and I both know people that are like, I don't need to go to work because God's in control. They're all faith and no works. Mm. And it's like, that is such dangerous territory. And my guidance is do not trust those people. You're going to have to check your spirit with that. But I never usually trust those people or I take everything they say with a grain of salt because they're not looking at the full scripture Mm -hmm. They're looking at, uh, you know, they just want the experience side yeah. of it. But also they're living very foolishly. I mean, it's really foolish men build this house on the sand. They're mm. really, they're living in a, in a way that it's like, that's not sustainable. And because there's rare, rare, rare stories of people, you know, showing up at the airport. Like, I feel like I need to go to this country and somebody be yeah. like, I feel like I need to give you $2,000. I But people live their whole life. Like, I'm not going to buy groceries this week because God's going to provide. And I'm like, yeah. this, is like, that really what God wants you mentality. to? Almost. Yeah. It's like, but like on such a, not even about like getting rich. Right. It's just about like surviving yeah, yeah. or like. You know, I mean, I'm probably going to get controversial if I keep going. <laughs> so I'm just going to stop. But things like that freak me out in a way because mm-hmm. it's like that's what the Jesus Camp documentary looks right. like to me. It's like we're all excited. There's yeah. no restraint. Well, you know, no one's really thinking what's the smart thing to do here? Should we actually sign away to be on this documentary? Yeah. Um, because what's the reaction going to be? And are we really presenting Christ in the way that he wants to be presented, mm-hmm. presenting God in the way that he wants to be presented? Um, or are we doing this to be like, we're better? Yeah. yeah. Um, which sometimes is what Bethel feels like to mm-hmm. me. Uh, but I went to Bethel and it was, uh, it was a lot for me. Yeah. It was, I mean, banners and people just being like, we're getting ready for worship. Yeah. And then like laying out on the floor and I, like, just like to start. <laughs> Yeah. She's like, yeah. all right, here we go. I'm going to take a spiritual nap. Yep. And then, like, uh, you know, it was just, I'm like, okay. But on summer ground, I'm like, okay, that's, I'm not here to, I'm who am I to judge mm-hmm. what these people's experiences are. But there was just, uh, I mean, I had a kind of a friend that was a friend of a, a good friend of mine, I guess I should say, that she was going there. And she, like, talked about some weird class the the hogwarts of christianity no that is a different friend that when i was living in new zealand because new zealanders are a little bit more cheeky and mean but like everyone is mean in like a loving way and so they had a friend that went there and they called it bethel school of witchcraft and wizardry but no that's not the same friend this friend talked about some odd stuff but I was like that's some maybe too far for me I don't know mm-hmm. because I also know that there's people that are not charismatic that yeah. are like Annalise is a freak you know? <laughs> I think YWAM was such a such a gentle introduction to the practices mm. of the charismatic gifts or well, they're so laid you back. know what I mean yeah, yeah. it was Everyone's so chill, man. it made it really beautiful I feel like I came to love and so my husband was not raised as a Christian. He was mm-hmm. an atheist until he was 18. But the first church he regularly attended was your church, was actually. City Harvest, yeah. And I asked him, I was like, Austin, wasn't, isn't that weird? Like, that your first experience was, like, this charismatic church and, like, they're charismatic and, like, isn't that weird? And I thought it was so profound 
He's like, no, because when I became a Christian, I read through the entire New Testament, and then I went to a church that was believing in what the New Testament told us to practice and told us to do. And I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah. Wow. So to close, what do you think the charismatic church does well that non-charismatic churches are missing out on? That's a hard question because I I don't want to like, I don't know. This is a full disclosure. I've only ever attended any service one other church (laughs) since I've gone to City Harvest and it was when I moved. I've never been to another church in Vancouver. You're missing out on mild-mannered worship. Yeah, well, that's what I've heard. No, (laughs) I, for a number of reasons, not like a, I just, 22 years went by and I was like, wow, I've never been anywhere else. So it's like, so I can't really speak on like, wow, they're really missing this, this, this. I think more so than like the charismatic church, but just the charismatic experience, I would say God has these amazing tools and gifts and they really are gifts Mm. they really feed your spirit and fill you up and really don't do anything that's none none of them have ever been tearing me down Mm. have never had a negative effect um, since i've received them quote unquote these amazing things are there for you if you want it so why not partake Mm. i guess when people say I'm I'm just scared of the charismatic church. Really ask yourself why and really try to pick that apart. Because I feel like at a certain point, it's just going to be your reservations alone. It's not really going to be backed up by all that stuff. Maybe a bad experience here or there. Yeah. But if you're smart, you'll look at the broader picture and be like, that one experience can't speak for every experience. But I just feel like they're there to take you to a different level, maybe not a deeper level. Who knows? I'm not very good with reading my Bible. Some people are so deep in that well, and that's awesome, and I need to get deeper personally. But spiritually, in in certain giftings, I feel like my well is very deep Mm. in that, where somebody's isn't. So it's on a different level. These giftings are available to you if you want to go deeper on that level, if you want to experience God in a different way. And if you want to be used by God in a different way and utilize your faith more, that, like charismatic things, you know, in that genre or whatever, Mm -hmm. that's going to be a way for you to really stretch your Mm. faith. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard or want to know more about our podcast, I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram at Can I Say That. That's where you can find what our next topic is going to be, who's speaking, and a lot more about them. We also invite you as an audience member to be a more active part of this conversation by participating in polls, answering questions, and even sending in comments and messages. So please come and join us.